you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 16. I want to I want to hit one more time. <laughs> one more time uh, on, on things that I've been meditating so hard on more than you can ask. That's what I'm calling this series. This would be number six. More than you can ask. In the Matthew chapter 16, uh, we see some things about Revelation. We looked at Revelation Wednesday night and how that is the shift that's coming into your life now that you've got a lot of knowledge, now that we've got a lot of foundation about where we are and what's out there and what's to do. Uh, we need revelation so that our lives are easy. His yoke is easy because of revelation. His burden is light because of revelation. We don't have to carry things like we used to. And so in verse five of uh, Matthew 16, it says, and when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take to take bread. And Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it's because we have taken no bread, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, "O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? It's a kinder way to say you missed the point. You know, you didn't hear what I said. Do do ye not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake unto you, uh, spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We could take note right there, couldn't we? That everything that somebody said came out of the Bible wouldn't necessarily be good doctrine. We're always assessing our doctrine. Your doctrine has changed. Mine certainly has over the years. Not major. It's not like you just now figured out about the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. But we've all adjusted. We've all come out of Jesus doesn't heal. God doesn't heal everybody all the time of everything. We've all come out of that in some level to say he does. He's willing. He's got the capacity. He's paid the price to heal everybody of everything all the time. And that's a process of revelation and other things uh, that uh, somebody told me the other day that somebody had put it in a feed or a message or something. How about that Christians, their revelation was is that we're not, we're supposed to embrace pain. <laughs> and if there's a day, now listen, there's a day where you'd go, well, I don't know about that. But uh, he was livid. He was just upset that somebody believed that junk mess, that we're to embrace pain. And, uh, but there was a day that all of us would say, I, I used to not be offended by that or something else. God's working out everything. You never know what God's going to do. And all the little idioms that we have come past. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So he's setting them up, isn't he? And that's what we're all being asked this morning. What is the limit or what is the capacity? What is the the extent of what the Lord will do for you. 
who do men say that I am? He's setting them up for the, him to ask them, who do you say that I am? And he said, some say thou art the John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah is one of, or one of the prophets. And then sure enough, in 15, he says, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you know, the, the man out of the boat. He, he, he was the one that got out of the boat and walked on the water. That's in chapter 14, I think. And he, here he says, uh, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Thou art the Christ. That's, that's, that's quite a statement when you don't have a caveat that defends that or, you know, he is this, but he can do this except he, 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 he allows this or he puts up with that because of who he is. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed art thou. That's who we are, isn't it? We're blessed. Simon Barjona for flesh and blood. The senses hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. So that tells us that teaching, listening to other men, has a ingredient to our conclusion, our faith, our attitude, our doctrine. But it's not the reason we believe what we do. We open our hearts. And when we open our hearts, he's able to put things in us that would astound us. The things that he's shown you, it's not like, oh, I learned that in a Bible school class, or I, I heard pastor say that, or I got that out of a book or something. You, know, and you may attribute that to, to the reality or the moment, but it was not somebody. It was him. And it's us that opens our heart or our door, our gate, to hear things that cannot be taught. And they're the most precious I'm reminded all the time of the prodigal where it says he came to himself. Well, what does that mean? He came to himself. He didn't have a teacher in the pig pen with him. He didn't remember. He wasn't looking through his Bible notes and say, oh, I forgot about that. Here it is. He somehow got to the end of himself and he opened the door to God. Well, you can do that. I can certainly do that. Open yourself in a time of desperation of just last step. You know, we always talk about how people say uh, God, God waits till the last minute to come through for us when in fact it's, we wait till the last minute to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I've exhausted everything. It's you. What do you have to say about that? And then he comes through because of us, not because of the late hour. So we could, we could get hungry for God in a good hour. We don't have to be in a pigment pen. We don't have to be at the end of our, we don't have to be facing a diagnosis or a financial thing where we go, I'm at the end of it, Lord, show me what to do. We should wake up and say, I'm happy as I can be, having a great life, everybody is, everything's going my way. Lord, what is it that you want me to know today? That'd be a higher way, wouldn't it? That, that would be the way that he would want us to live. And he said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. Oh, this is amazing because nobody was born again then. But somehow Peter jumped the track like he did when he walked on the water. And he said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Wow, that's a lot there. It's a demonstration. It's written for our edification. It's written for a guideline of how things work. The principles and the patterns in the kingdom. Um, the Amplified says, Jesus answered him, said, blessed, the Amplified, blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, men, have not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, Petros, a large piece of rock. Only the Amplified gives you the dictionary <laughs> definition. And on this rock, not the same word, in the English it is, but on this rock, Petra, a huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. Well, you know, the Catholics have taken that and said that he was the first pope and God built the whole Catholic denomination on Peter. But it may be that that wasn't it at all. Uh, and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it for, for be, or be strong to its detriment to hold out against it. What's he saying here? Why is this so important? He's the one that initiated this conversation. So he obviously had something to say to them, whether they could understand it or not. And he had something to say to you and me. So he's turning us from what's normal, natural and routine. He's turning us from our 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 default way of getting information, coming to a conclusion, uh, setting up the guideposts of our life, how we're going to live it and what we're going to expect. He turned us and said, that's not it at all. It's you just now, you know, enough to be able to be taught. You just now know enough to ask questions. He said, I'm going to tell you how it really is. It's by revelation. I'm going to build my church on revelation. You can see that the church that's not built on revelation, that's built on cause and effect, observing what happened and coming to a conclusion when a wonderful saint of God dies and they were just more Christian than anybody you knew. And you had to come up with a reason of why they died. You come up with some conclusion that flesh and blood revealed to you. It was a doctrine of men instead of revelation. And some things you can't know. Some things we don't know about why people die. Uh, Corinthians talks to us about not discerning the body of Christ causes people to die early, get sick and die early. So there's there's other reasons that. Uh, that they're living a good life naturally, maybe by works, but they're, they don't have that. Ruth Ward Heflin, a mighty saint. She's, she's one of only two people in the world that have visited 215 nations in her lifetime. The other one was Bill Bright. And just, she's the one that prophesied about Alabama. Just an amazing woman. Just, you, you just couldn't find fault with her. But she died of cancer because she didn't have revelation about healing. Back then, everybody thought if you lived good, God just sustained you. If you were a soul winner, God sustained you. He didn't let that stuff come on you if you were. But come to find out, you just had to have faith for healing. There was no exemptions like, well, you're doing real good over here. We'll let you be healed over here without faith for healing. It just didn't happen, did it? So we see poor Christians that don't have faith for money because they have wrong doctrine. God wants you poor or God doesn't care about money or he doesn't want us caring about money. 
And so you have all sorts of different things that causes anomalies in the Christian church that we we're trying to work out. But he said, well, flesh and blood isn't going to show you this. It's the father. And there's some things you and I can't know about other people. It's just none of your business. He doesn't he doesn't gossip about his children. And it's just you just have, you and I have to stay on the word. We can't develop doctrine based on what we see happening and what we see other people saying or believing and their success at it or at their failure at it. So he said, um, the gates of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. He said here, revelation is the key. The church is going to win by revelation. Now we know that this is the final revelation of the written word. There's no, there's no addendums. There's no excerpts or no footnotes like a lot of people want to write. There's the Apocrypha, which was an add-on. There's the Book of Mormon that's an add-on. There's the Jehovah Witnesses have some, some footnotes that are considered to be the same. Even the Jews have the, uh, the uh, what do they call that? It's, it's where they've, they've, the scholars have, have, they've commented on it and now that's as powerful or as strong to many of them as the word itself. The word's right here, but I don't remember what it is suddenly, but you get the point. There's just one word. What was it, Barry? The Talmud. Yes, sir. Thank you. Whew. And so they, but they treat that the same. Well, the commentary isn't the word of God. And so we all have to be mindful, I should say, that we let the word speak to us. And it says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So you can't find you a scripture like praying for the dead, which is in there, taken out of context. It means that you can start a whole religion and, and pray for the dead. Someone dies and they didn't do good. They weren't acting right. And you just pay up to somebody who says, I'll pray them out of wherever they are. Uh, purgatory. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm, I don't know where that's not coming this morning. But so we, we, have to be, we have to be mindful that we let the word speak to us for the kingdom instead of to a man's situation and a person's uh, 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 posture on the word. In, uh, in the NIV, it's, it says, no mere man showed this to you. So we have to be careful that we give too much credit to teachers. You know, someone like me is like, don't believe me per se, but like the Bereans, search and see if these things be so. Go and find it for yourself. And then when you find it, if revelation, then establish your life on it and just have all this stuff fishing around, swimming around in your life saying, well, it could be this. It could be that. We need revelation to establish ourselves because you'll die of a sickness or a disease that you couldn't you couldn't decide what Jesus had done about it. It'll take you out. We have to know. So uh, the NIV on the 18, it says, on this rock, I will build my church. What rock was that? It wasn't Gibraltar. What rock was that? Well, you can see by the context there, he's talking about flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. It's the rock of revelation. We need this revelation, but you know, there's so much here that's so much more than what's here. 
even the disciples are saying, what, what, we, we don't get this. What are you saying? The bread of the Sadducees and what does that mean? We didn't bring bread. They, they were trying to get a hold of it. And then, then all of a sudden they got revelation and they understood. Well, it didn't come by Jesus explaining it. It came by revelation. You and I, every good and, and profitable thing in our life that's working in our life, that's got increase in our life, that's got power in our life, came by revelation. And revelation has the power to stay. It's when you know and you're knower. Suddenly you just know. And uh, people can come and say, well, that passed away, or this, God doesn't do that anymore. He started the church with healing and the gifts, but he doesn't, he's got the church. All that stuff right there that comes as a naysayer, once you got revelation, you're just, you're just on it. They can, they can say tongues passed away, but you and I have a revelation. We speak in them. They can say healings passed away, but we've been healed. It's too late. It's too late to say your revelation doesn't count. We've got knowledge. We've got uh, uh, insight. No, you don't. I have revelation. So every good and profitable thing in your life is the result of revelation, not knowledge. Because knowledge is going to pass away. So what should we be looking for? He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, the rock of revelation. Wow. How could we have missed that? How, why would we miss that? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter five, please. Ephesians chapter five. You know, all we're doing, you and I are hard after the things of God. There's nobody in this room. This saying, whatever, whatever, it just there's no casual observers here. We're, we're hard after the truth. We want this. We're not just saying I'm here because I want to be counted uh, present in heaven and all that. So this is going to change our 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 uh, focus. It's going to adjust our alignment to what we're looking for, what we're pursuing, what we're seeking. What matters is that uh, not so much. What you can learn or quote of scripture, but the revelation that's come. It's a revelation that God loves me right now. Without that, you're going to say God will love me someday or God used to love me. But right now, my state of mind, my sin life, my I'm not going good with God. We're not tied. I don't feel him or whatever. If you don't have revelation that God loves me right now, you have contrary thoughts to that. And it's not like somebody came by and said, well, I've done a profile on you and you've done some bad things and your past is kind of kind of scary. But I think God loves you anyway. Well, it's revelation. God loves me right now. It's like well, that seems so plain. That seems so trite. Gosh, it'll set everything in order. So, amen. So in Ephesians 5, so we're taking this upon this rock, I will build this church. Verse 25 of, of chapter 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Boy, there's a lot there that we could explore about the covenant. Covenants are made when you give yourself for it. The person or the God that you're in covenant with. But he goes on, he said, that he gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And then he said in verse seven, something amazing. He said that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. 
Say that with me, please. A glorious church. Now that's how he looks at us. But that's that's revelation. Because nobody thinks the church is glorious. We look at what we've done, how people think, what the history of us are, the atrocities of the church, the racism in the church, the bigotry in the church, the, the exclusion and rejection that's been in the church. And we go, there's nothing glorious about us. And true, true, it is mostly or usually or often or religiously just a group of worldly people that have come in and sat down in a long chair and stared at a wooden cross behind the pulpit and said, this is church. We're different in here than we are at home, at work. We're different in here because in here we're the church. Well, that might be. No, that's not true. We're the same. So it's not talking about our experience. He said that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it, the church, should be holy and without blemish. That's that's the faith of God. That's the investment that he made in the church. In other words, he he had an expected end. What is it? I want a glorious church. Well, how are you going to get a glorious church, Lord? You're going to have to invest the same kind of thing that will produce that. You have to invest that. So they looked it up and said, you know, it's going to take Jesus giving his life, his glorious life, in order to produce a glorious church. So guess what? The heaven decided. They said, we'll do it. We'll send Jesus to the cross. And we'll have him die for an inglorious people. To receive a glorious church. And the Lord gets what he sows for. He didn't say that was a bummer. That was a bad. I bet on the old tail, the, the gray tail nag or what nag that that song said, you know, a uh, bobtail nag. <laughs> no, he gets what he invests on. And he sowed the right seed for a glorious church. Well, a glorious church doesn't wonder who are we? What do we have? And what can we do? A glorious church knows who we are, what we can do, and what we can have. That would be a glorious church. You wouldn't look at a, a bunch of confused people that didn't know what they believed, didn't know who the Lord Jesus had become for them, what had happened to them at the new birth. You, you wouldn't say that's a glorious church. You'd say that's a bunch of people that came into a building, a rectangular room, and they had long chairs, pews, and had a cross at the front. That's what you'd say that was, and that'd be right. Except, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church, the rock of revelation. So we are not what we've done. We are not. We are not who? We are not what, we are not what we've done. We are who he made us. Despite our experience, our weakness, our feelings, our insecurities at time, our emotional breakdowns, our, our, our anger, our disappointment with people, all that we all have. Everybody in here can say, I've been done wrong by somebody in the ministry. And we would all have to say, I concur. I have too. Some preacher, some elder, some deacon, some just a Christian 
has done you wrong. And we'd all say that happened. I'm telling you, the beer was in that Deacon's pickup truck in Hobbs, New Mexico, and it devastated me because I was young. And it just like this can't be this is this is this cannot be. I mean, he didn't slap me. He didn't call me a name. He didn't tell me to get out of his way. I just walked by his pickup into the Toyota house. And I looked into his pickup and I said, well, that's. He's dead now, but I said, that's that's D's pickup. I knew his pickup. We're in a little town. We all know everybody's pickup. And there that six pack was because Hobbs was wet. Hobbs was a wet county. He was in the New Mexico cross state line. And we were dry in Texas, so you had to go to Hobbs. You had to go to Hobbs to get your beer. And I'm telling you, it just devastated me. But then he says, I, I've got the church that's glorious. That's how he sees us. And Revelation, listen, sees it like he sees it. Knowledge or experience or history sees it like you remember it, like you reasoned it out or how you thought it out or deducted it to be. But Revelation goes through all that, past all that, and just said, this is how it is, folks. And I'm telling you, River Church is a glorious church. And we don't need to have a list of things that disqualify us. All we have to know is, is he gave himself for us that he might receive us a glorious church. And he thinks we're glorious. And so what would you give a glorious church? What would you give a church that you that you sowed your life to receive? What would you how would you expect them to live? You'd give them everything heaven has. You wouldn't just parcel it out and say, y'all are just a half glorious church. And so I can't give you all much. He'd say, I'm all in. I gave for the church. She's mine. I'm in her. She's in me. The church is me. He would say, I'm going to give her everything. Well, so we're going to think like he thinks. How's that think? Well, the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? It's the, it's the seed of revelation. It's, it's this down here that where, where uh, we could turn to 1 Corinthians 6. Well, it's in Corinthians somewhere. Where, where it says that we, we are one spirit with the Lord. Y'all know where that scripture is. We're one spirit with the Lord. It's not like there's two spirits running around in here. It's not like, well, this part of my spirit can be born again. This part of my spirit's not born again. But the Holy Ghost, it's not. It's like when you break two eggs into a skillet and you take that little whisk and you whip it up there or a fork and you whip it up there and then you look in there and there's not two eggs. There's one big scramble. That's who we are in him. And the word says he cannot deny himself. If he denies me, he has to deny himself because we're one. I'm in him and he's in me. So there's some basic things here that you got to work out to say, I am the glorious church and I live by revelation. Sometimes I default. I, you know, I, I have to get from one room to the next. So, you know, if you don't want to walk into the wall, you'll turn. When you come out of the bedroom to go down the hall, you'll turn that you need your senses for that. That's not revelation. That's just right turn, Jack. <laughs> but everything else we don't need to know everything else concerning the kingdom, which is me, which is you. We need revelation. 
We need to go into it and say, I don't know anything. Religion says, I know a bunch. But we don't say I know anything until we have revelation. We only know what we know. Not what we think, not what we sur surmise, assume, speculate. We don't know anything like that. We just have an, a thing that's lodged in our head that says it could go that way. But we don't act on anything without revelation. That's why you're so happy this morning, because you have no fear of hell. How'd you get no fear of hell? Because it's painted pretty big in here. And if you'll listen to a few preachers I could send you to, they'll paint you a picture that's 3D and living color because they're preaching on it all the time. Turn or burn. We, you're not afraid of hell at all in this room. It's, it's totally a non-issue. It's, it, it's not in our future. It's just something that somebody tells about somebody else. But it's not me. How did that happen? Revelation. You saw it. Have you been there? Did somebody come back and tell you about it? Do you have some sort of other book the, uh, the, in the Apocrypha that says, oh, that's a bunch of bogus stuff. We, we don't go to hell. No, you just know by revelation. He revealed it to you. Faith says that's not who I am. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to hell. I'm trying to go out there and save everybody else that I can from going to hell. The revelation is so big. It's like, stop, don't go this way with your life. Well, why? Have you been there? Do you, can you tell me something personal? Don't go there. And you, you, you lay down your life for other people so they won't go to hell. So they'll go to heaven. Well, how do you know about heaven? We know. Couldn't talk you out of it. Put a gun to your head and said, deny him, deny him, deny him or it's over. What's over? I'm going to heaven. That's the worst thing that can happen to you and me. It's always, I'll say this, it's always right to go to heaven. Don't ever condemn anybody for leaving early. It's just all they knew. And people that commit suicide do not go to hell unless they're not born again. Now, if you're not born again, that's where you're going. But if you're born again, it doesn't matter how you leave this world because you can be sick in your head just like you're sick in your body. So, well... What is that? Why would anybody see that they, they don't have revelation? They just have speculation. That's <laughs> what we say. Hallelujah. Speculation. So to live in the spirit, you've got to have spiritual tools and you cannot live in the spirit by knowledge. Facts, learning, intellect. You can't learn it, live in the spirit by that. They're not connected. They, they never they never touch. They never cross. And, and you cannot live in the spirit if you're going to be a man or a woman of deduction or rationale. This is, how I, this is how I figured it out. Well, there's whole books that have been written that are false, that are wrong, that are evil, that are error. Based on what somebody thought. And so we're looking for books that are filled with revelation. Turn with me, if you would, right there to Galatians chapter 1. We looked at this scripture Wednesday night, but let's turn to Galatians chapter 1, verse 12. So we're not changing anything at River Church this morning. We're not trying to convince somebody of a different way. We're just saying adjust. We may be three degrees off where we're in disproportionately leaning or 
basing things on knowledge when if we would wait and look, he would give us revelation and we would know. We would know what to do. We'd know who to marry. Ah, right. oh, you, you ever heard of a train wreck from somebody marrying the wrong guy, the wrong girl? I mean, it's, it's, with revelation, it can be, <laughs> it can be interesting to be married. I mean, everybody knows that. But you get the wrong one where they do the switcheroo, I believe in Jesus, to something else. You go, that's terrible. Got to have revelation. You got to teach your children. We all, we all got to have our children. Do not make that mistake. Do not, don't fall in love with a, agnostic or an atheist or, a, or a other things. We could go there and don't want to offend anybody's feelings. But if you don't want to marry one and, and have that in your life, don't date one. Don't go out with one. Because emotions and hormones and stuff like that can override rationale and you'll, you'll, you'll walk right over revelation. And your mama's telling you the whole time, this isn't it, this isn't it, this isn't it. You're going, but I love him. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, baby, don't do it. I'm going to do it. So we've got to teach our children how to wait and listen for revelation. Well, to do that, we've got to do it ourselves. Uh, Galatians 1.12, excuse me. For I neither received it of man. Well, verse 11. I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's say that last thing together. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, is he your personal savior? Is he your personal guide and, and guard? And he's personal. He's not like, well, we subscribe to the to, to this that's got a lot of followers. No, he's personal. He came into me and brought me into him. It's personal. It was a transaction. It was like nobody else was around. No, grandma can't go with you. No, your children can't. It's you and me. If you can't make the transaction, it can't happen. Oh, it's personal. So now that I'm in him and he's in me, it's still personal. I have the mind of Christ. So I, if you look in the Amplified, it says we hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. That's pretty personal. His thoughts, his feelings, the feelings of the Lord Jesus. I hold his feelings so that when I walk into a situation he, that he would have compassion, I have his compassion. That he walks into a situation like he's going to uh, do the money changers tables. That same righteousness comes on us and we, we don't put up with it. We're, we're merciful when it's mercy. But we're righteous when it's righteous. That's how he is. He, he was on both sides. So we said Galatians 1.12 was inspired. Revelation is when you're inspired. You don't have any experience with it. You don't have any history with it. That you make a decision. You're just like, I don't know anything. So which way is it, Lord? That's how you do it. Lord, I don't know anything. You just pretend I don't know anything. This is real good. I don't know anything. Which way is it, Lord? Oh, he can write on that board. 
He will write on that board. If you come in saying, this is how I intend this to turn out, and I need a good spiritual argument to tell my friends and my mama that I'm going to do this, but I've already made up my mind how it's going to go, I, you probably won't get any revelation in that place. I've been there myself. So we want to make progress. We want to have increase in our life. It's what we do. It's, it's what he has put in us. And so life has changed. Life is changing. Life will change. And so as we move through life, we can move by knowledge, experience. So if you're with the wrong people that have the wrong ideas and you let them in, infuse you, you're going to have wrong ideas and wrong plans. And eventually you'll either fall into, you'll succumb to them or you'll get rid of them. It's better just to never let them in your life. Well, to do that, you've got to have revelation. You've got to understand. So I say, this is what I'm going to talk about. I looked this up, that revelation is present in the word. When you read the word, you're reading the mind of Christ. He is the way, word. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the word. And he cannot be separated from his word. God and his word are one. So when you say, I don't believe or I don't like the word, you're telling the Lord, I don't believe you. I don't like you. It, you can't have it both ways. So I looked up all the places where it says in the spirit. In the New Testament. So I'm, I'm, I didn't I don't have scripture for him, but you can look it up the same. It said uh, in one place, it says, go before him in the spirit. Oh, so he can, he can go before me in the spirit. That's interesting, a spirit-filled life. It said uh, just in the spirit. He was in the spirit. Well, if he was in the spirit, or if Paul was in the spirit, I can be in the spirit. There's a distinction. I mean, we're always spirit-filled, and he's always in us, but there seems to be a conclusion here where you can be in the spirit. It's probably better there, do you think? Uh, groaned in the spirit. Y'all remember that scripture? Pressed in the spirit. Fervent in the spirit. Oh my. Fervent in the spirit. I've been fervent before, but I messed up a lot of stuff when I was fervent in, fervent in the Michael. <laughs> it's, there's quite a distinction there. <laughs> I tell you, if you do that again, I'm going to. Uh, purposed in the spirit. What, I wonder what that means. Bound in the spirit. Remember Paul saying in Acts, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Uh, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That's actually in the scripture. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So maybe you can't be in both. Maybe when you're in the flesh, you're not in the spirit and vice versa. And so you probably are going to have a better life in the spirit. I'm just saying. It goes on. It says, in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. You can look these up. It's, I just looked up in the spirit in the concordance and started writing. Uh, having begun in the spirit. There's a conclusion there. Uh, walk in the spirit. Live in the spirit. Hmm. So that means, does that mean that you can walk not in the spirit 
and live not in the spirit. Ah, could be uh, renewed in the spirit, prayer and supplication in the spirit, worship God in the spirit, love in the spirit. Oh, my. I never I, ne I did not know this. I am with you in the spirit. I uh, justified in the spirit. I don't know what that means. Living, live according to God in the spirit. It was, I was, oh, I like this one. I say this one all the time. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I joke about that. I said, oh yeah, I had a good day. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. It's Thursday. So it, you know, it just, and immediately I was in the spirit. Now that one's interesting. Immediately I was in the spirit. So that means we can walk in both and transition in and out, doesn't it? Or it implies that, that I was, I was in the, I was not in the spirit, but immediately I was in the spirit. Now, isn't that interesting to be in the spirit? He's, he said, I've paid for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He said, I've paid for flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. I, I think I want to go there. I think I want to live by revelation more. I think I've been settling and saying, I got an answer. I'm going to go with it. Because sometimes you don't have an answer, but you're waiting on an answer, figuring it out. There's this, this, and this, and I'm figuring on it, and this is good, this is better, this is not, and deducing and reasoning and all that. What if we just got in the spirit and knew the answer? How confident would you be? You'd be as confident as I'm not going to hell and I am going to heaven. Wouldn't that be cool? To be married to the one that you're, but that revelation took you to. I mean, you might have a fuss, you know. Where's the butter? Get your own butter. It's in the refrigerator. You know where it is. Get your own butter. <laughs> well, where's the salt and pepper? Well, do I have to do everything for you? Get your own salt and pepper. You know, you might have a fuss or two or 17, but you know how it's going to end. Married couples should always stop and say, we know how this is how this is going to end. I love you with all my heart. You love me with all your heart. This is going to end with us being right like we started. So let's end this fuss right now. Let's just end it. Why go through this if we know how it's going to end? That's my marriage advice for today. Don't, don't, why do we have to go through this? That's, now I'll just tell you a little personal thing. When Debbie departed, I had that same thing. Why I can go through this and waller and carry on and go through this. It would be natural. Everybody would say, that's good. You, that proves something. But I decided to end it on the third day. I just said, I'm not going through this because I know how it's going to end. And you always know you hear about people that's that's in that same situation. And they said, after six months, I got where I could put my find my own socks or, you know. Why? Why did it take six months? Well, you weren't in the spirit. Because that's where I was going. I was going to be fine. So why not just go fine right then? I was greatly misunderstood, but it doesn't matter. Because everybody's accountable for their own life, aren't they? And so that's 
Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. We got just a few more minutes. Let's go back to Acts. We looked at this Wednesday, but I want to graze over it just one more time. It was, it was so powerful. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now, are you there? Now, Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. They had an hour of prayer. It was so established, it wasn't something like in the winter, daylight savings time, we have prayer, it's 10, then we move it. It, it was so much the hour of prayer that it's in the Bible, the hour of prayer. <laughs> and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms, to beg. Ask alms is a nice word for beg. Of them that entered into the temple. And, of course, the Jewish law was to give to the poor. They were all bound. If you going in the temple, then you were, a, you were constrained to give alms to the poor. So they laid them there, knowing that that was the law. The, the word says in uh, Psalms or Proverbs, it says, uh, when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord, and he repays. So it's not a real investment program. He just pays you back what you give. But in other places, it says is if you shut up your bowels of compassion, the Lord will not hear you. So it's not like I'm not investing in the poor because it's a it's a slow payback. He said, yeah, you, you got to. I'll give you your money back. I'll give you your your offering back. But if you don't do it, then it's going to seal off a whole bunch of stuff. So we give to the poor and they all gave to the poor. They all knew that. And it says, uh, he's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asking alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look at us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, so all of a sudden, it's like a movie. The, the shot turns to another scene. He's, he's expecting to receive. He's got his hand up. That's how they always did it. That's how it was always done. Everybody knew the dance. Everybody knew you held your hand up and everybody knew that the, the, the temple goers were going to put a, a, a coin or a, something. It, that's just the way it was. And Peter shocked him. He said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now, there's a revelation. You can walk. He didn't say, let's see, let's get a road test. Let's check it out. You can walk, walk, walk. He never walked. He didn't really know how that worked even. His knees had never, you know, his, no. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, leaping, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened to him. Um, see, that's that's far enough. So it, it, it worked on multiple levels. It was sure a good day for the lame man. 
But it was a good day for everybody that was in the temple. But if you turn, don't turn, but I'll just tell you in Matthew 21, we looked at the scripture, Matthew 21, 14. We looked at the disp disparity there that he had been all his life at the temple. They, it's a lot of trouble to get someone to haul you bodily. I don't know if they did it on a stretcher or if, I don't know how, if they drug him. But it says in 21, 14, uh, 13, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves and the blind and the lame. That would be this guy came to him in the temple and he healed them. So we talked about Wednesday that healing was in the house. Healing was not outside the house. There was alms outside the house, but there was healing in the house. But he didn't know or he didn't know. No, he didn't have revelation that the guys that are hauling me and dumping me off at the door, if they would take me in, the healer was in the temple. He was in the temple. Well, if God wants me healed, he just can know where I am and just heal me. That's not how that worked. And it's not how it ever works. And that's why a lot of people don't get healed is because they got a self-righteous, blessed God. They just give themselves an out for not being healed. If he wants me healed, he knows where I am. He'll heal me. He'll give me the money. He'll bring what I need or whatever. And it's real defiant. And it's real contrary to the word that we, we chase after the Lord. He's already chased after us with his goodness and we chase, we pursue him. So this guy didn't have that revelation. A revelation would have saved him a lot of years. But the thing is, is he wasn't a, a, a car accident victim or had been in a fire and he was burned over 80 percent of his body or something terrible. He just had weak ankles. It, it, it says. Where were we? It's it says. His feet and ankle bones to receive strength. I don't even know what that is, but it, it, it doesn't sound like a major medical procedure. Receive strength. He should have went on if it was more than that. Uh, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and he leaping up stood. So it was a suddenly. My word. He just needed strength. His whole life was devastated because he just didn't know if he got somebody else's strength to take me into the temple, I could receive strength for my ankle and feet bones. Now you go, okay, that's a nice story. That's good. But that's us. That's me. That's you. That is us. 5% disabled, 5% handicapped, and 100% and disabled. He had more faith in the alms. Listen to me. He had more faith in the alms than he did in the healing. And it's not like, well, we, this is a major thing. This is like raising you from the dead. No, just strength to the ankles. Peter did it. He didn't even have to get into Jesus for that. Jesus certainly could have done it, would have done it. So there was an exception to Jesus being in the house and being the healer. He compassion, mercy came back out and came on Peter and John and they performed what Jesus would have performed. But what a waste of time. You go, what is this? How come God didn't do something earlier? It's because he didn't have revelation. That was the way of that day. And there's a way in this day. 
that will hamstring you and me if we don't know it. So if the thief was to come to your house, would you know what to guard? Now, knowledge, rationale, strategy would say, well, I'd put everything in the safe and I'd put a blanket over the safe and they wouldn't find it. Uh, I'd hide my money and my valuables and my stocks and all that. I'd hide that. But if the thief came and stole that, guess what you and I would do? We would just recover all. We'd go back to living like we live. Prosperity would come on us and we would recover. But what if the thief came in and left your money alone and he came in with the spirit of lack and shortage and need, want? What if he stole that from you? What if he stole prosperity from you? He stole that revelation and, and you then were, you were left in your old condition. Oh, that would be the tragedy. But only revelation, listen, only revelation would tell you that. That you and I are to guard our hearts about shortage and lack. It's not the amount. I lost $10,000 in the stock market. It's a bad move. Well, nobody says I'm going to go jump off the bridge and kill myself. If you had $10,000 to lose, you, you'll go again. But if they steal that, I'm telling you, I tell you all the time about my life personally. I was not raised in abject poverty, and I don't want you to ever think that I was, because if you see my folks, they're, they're, they're good, good people, and they raised me just like you got raised. That, that's what I'd say. But I wasn't raised in prosperity. I wasn't raised in the revelation of there's plenty more where that came from. I wasn't raised in God's got plenty, and he wants to give it to me. I'm just positioning myself to where he can. So if I were to lose all my money, that would be nothing if I still had the spirit of faith in me and I had a revelation of who I was, what I have, and what I can do. That's the most valuable thing in my life. So if you guarded the wrong thing, you'd still have your money. But if you had lack and shortage and need and want in your life, You'd be the most pitiful of all people. You would be the 5% handicapped and the 100% disabled, just like this man at the gate. So what about what if the thief came and he's, what would you guard? Well, you, you, would, you would not guard your doctrine so much. You would, you would guard, or let me turn that around. What people think about us we're so careful to what people think about us. Even that we might, there's, there's a level in your life or a time, I'm assuming it was in mine, where you care about what people think if you speak in tongues. Shh, 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 they're tongue talkers. I don't know if that ever bothered you, but it was certainly where I, when I got the Holy Ghost, the whole town there's 2,300 people in Seagraves, Texas. The whole town knew that Michael and Debbie Billings spoke in tongues, and they were Baptist. And they were, it was, we were the talk of the town. I mean, you go, how can that be? Well, you've got to live in a little town and be prominent somewhat. I, I was a farmer, and I was the head of the Young Farmers of America, and I, 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 you know, I was in. Just like I am now, I was in. 
And so what you would guard is, is, your, is your doctrine. I'm saying that wrong. Not what people think of it. Your reputation. You could... So, so we have to go back to what revelation is. It's a capacity that you and I can develop. Just like you can develop your intellect. Uh, the way you develop your mind, your soul, is to read and to listen. You, broad, you broaden your capacity by knowing more. And you have to listen or you have to read or both. And you broaden that. It's, it's, it's your soul. It's your intellect. But if you want to develop your spirit, man, what do you do? You've got to meditate the word. Not just read it. Yeah, I read my chapter today. I'm done. You, you got to go down the road saying, by his stripes, I was healed. Down the road, uh, uh, he, he became poor, that I through his poverty might be made rich. You got to go down and meditate that. You got to do what Melissa talked about this morning. You got to obsess it. And when you do, your capacity for revelation is enlarged. It's what you do. Now, y'all know the kingdom of heaven's got a bucket load of revelation for you and me. Just like that Peter and John walking through the temple day after day after day. They were carrying that power every day. The man was there every day needing that power. Jesus was in the temple dispensing it to the lame and the blind. And yet there was no transaction. And that's my point. If I have a point this morning is... It's up to me to have a transaction. I've got to get, I've got to get in. I've got to change my casual, passive countenance to just say, what will be, will be. You know, I hope he preaches good this morning because then I'll, I'll have more walking out. Or, but if he, he, if he, hey, diddle, diddle, the cat and the fiddle, then we'll go home empty as we came. Well, it's not me. You could be in this room right now and receive nothing or you could get your life turned around on the same message. It's all based on revelation. What did you what did you transact? So how that works for me oftentimes is I'll buy a book or I'll get a set of tapes or discs or whatever. And I'll open it up and I'll start in there and I'll just crank along and I'll read chapter one. Well, Chapter two, mm, this isn't it. And I got stuff I know that I got to get into, so I'll close it and put it on the shelf. Y'all ever done that? Got you a new book that's got a hot title. But then down the road, down the road, you'll just think of it, that book, that set. And you'll go get that book out, and it's like, whew, this is a stream. This is a, a river of life that's coming to me. So what was the same information has become revelation. Suddenly it had a, listen, it had a place to fit. It had a place to fit. So why didn't it fit the first time? There was no place for it. I didn't, either I didn't think I needed it or I was distracted or I was like, I don't agree with that or, wh or whatever. Well, I don't know what we all have. But then there was a time for it. And I, the Lord quickened me and said, read that book. 
So I'd go find it. Sure enough, there it'd be. And I'd go, this, this is wildfire. This is so good. This is just what I need. That's revelation. Same information. Same, same ink on white paper. So I encouraged you Wednesday to all of us to get more capacity to quit saying yes to everything that comes down the pike because you can squeeze it in. I am surrounded by people that are so busy, so full, so barely can sit down till they have to get back up and go run to something else. Just worldly stuff. Oh, I just want to be with baby and I just want to see this. And we all the things that life is, you cannot taste all of them. We want to. We want to go everywhere. We want to eat everything that's out there. All that. You cannot. And so if you put that stuff in anyway, you have no discipline. You have no gates that you can close and say, not today. I can't be with you today because you would overload my capacity. I've got to save a spot to hear from heaven. I mean, it's ridiculous. I know I'm saying things that are like, who does that? The people that have revelation. The people that write down stuff and the people that know stuff and the people that make decisions that are worthy of the kingdom of heaven. It's rare. Uh, we talked this morning about the 1%. It is rare. The 1% is, is rare because they, don't, they do these things and nobody else does it. I've, I've cut my life back. I'm, I'm, I do not say yes to everything anymore. I just say, nope. And, and, and I don't make excuses. Excuses are dishonest. You just give a reason, even if the reason is I don't want to give you a reason. <laughs> you just say no, because you're holding out for what's more precious. Remember the Lord Jesus saying to Martha and Mary, said to Martha, complained to the Lord and said, sister's not, she's not, she's not buttering the biscuits and she's not cleaning up after the kitchen. And Jesus said, well, she's been sitting here listening to me. She has chosen the better thing. And that's what we're talking about this morning is choosing the better thing. Revelation is that. Amen. Well, that's a good word. It's a good word. We can all take it. You can take it all or you can take it in parts. You can put it on the shelf and say, I'll visit it later. But it's here now. It's in the house. We are revelation people. And we're not going to sit by the gate with, uh, with a little disability and say, oh, I'm undone. I've got a problem for every solution. We fix everything. You fix everything. There's revelation to fix everything. Listen to me. There's revelation that applies to everything that happens, everything that comes at your life. There's a revelation to undo it, dismantle it, disassemble it, and put it in its place. There's no weapon formed against you that can prosper if you'll walk in revelation. You're not smarter than other people. I'm certainly not that has more expertise and more mechanical and more whatever, but I got a wellspring of revelation and I don't have to know the, the mechanics. I just have to know the one that made the thing and he'll show me what to do. He'll show you what to do. Amen. Lord, we love you. We love you, love you, love you. You are so, so, so good to us. And we just we just thank you by faith because we can't even get to the end of our heart. But thank you this morning for speaking to this people. 
We want to know you like you are and know ourselves like you know us. We want that, Lord. We want a transaction with our Heavenly Father. We want to know what Spirit knows. Holy One, we ask you to come and invade our hearts with things, with secrets, with mysteries unfolded that will take us into life and life to, to abundance, to the overflowing life. That's, that's what that is, Lord. So we thank you this morning. We've asked and you said yes. And so here we go. It's a great life now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Isn't Jesus wonderful? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.